Welcome to Dial It In, a podcast where we talk with interesting people about the process improvements and tricks they use to grow their businesses. I'm Dave Meyer, president of BusyWeb, and every week, Trig Violson and I are bringing you interviews on how the best in their fields are dialing it in for their organizations. Dave, you and I are in and out of the internet all day, every day, most days, right? Yeah, I can't. I feel like I can't really escape from it some days. It's one of those things, uh, living in the modern world, I suppose. You know who Mr. Beast is? I do. I do. Um, you know, I, it's, I, uh, I frequent TikTok in my spare time, and uh, that's how I see him. I know that doesn't give him the revenue that he's probably looking for, but you know, he's got a lot of pretty interesting stuff out there. So uh, for those of you who don't know who Mr. Beast is, Mr. Beast is a guy who has a YouTube channel, and he does uh, random things that are hilarious and makes a fortune on it. Uh, for mm-hmm. instance, he invited a hundred of his followers to come to a mall at nine o'clock at night and gave them a case with $10,000 in it and said, uh, they had 15 minutes to hide. And if they made it till noon the next day without being found, they could keep the money. <laughs> and that was the channel. And then he'll draw a triangle in the middle of a target and then let anybody say anything you can put within the triangle, I'll buy for you. Things like that. And he makes a fortune mm-hmm. on it. And as a result of that, uh, it caught the attention of my eight-year-old son, Linus, who decided to open his own uh, channel. He's on YouTube under the name Spicy Luigi. Ooh, so Spicy he, Luigi. I like it. He pop for the Spice Man where he eats spicy food and then we talk about the spicy food. So when he, he brought this to my attention, I didn't know that there was money in it. And there's a fortune to be made on content production and video monetization. So that's what I wanted to spend uh, today's episode talking about is how do you do that? How do you turn making fun videos, doing things that you like into actual tangible money. So our guest today is longtime friend of the show, uh, Nick from Proposify, who is not here under the Proposify banner, but is here because he has a, a channel that he's making a, a, good, a good amount of money at. Hey, Nick. Hey, Trig. How are we doing? Thanks for joining us today. So yeah, absolutely. You are... And let me make sure that I have this right. A semi-professional Pokemon player. I think that's uh, it's a way to put it. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there really is professional versus non-professional. So the the particular avenue of my stream that I do is this very unique thing called shiny hunting. Mm. So to just kind of give a very quick explanation of what that is. Are you familiar with Pokemon? Let's start there. I think that's the earliest Ooh, or easiest might- question. That might be good. And uh, while I've been mildly exposed, while while my son went through a brief period, and we went to went to a bunch of parks uh, and with Pokemon Go, that's uh, that's all I know. Okay. So for the guests at home, what what is it? Yeah. So let's back up. Let's talk about Pokemon first. Go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Pokemon is a game started out early '90s. Uh, is probably, I think, the number one grossing game franchise of all time. And basically, it's a RPG or role-playing game 
where you go throughout these different worlds, these different places, you catch these creatures that are sometimes based on things in reality. They're sometimes just random things that have been created. Obviously, Pokemon Go came out in 2016 and was this huge phenomenon across the world. But I think Pikachu is a good example, right? Pikachu is one pretty much everybody knows. But what a lot of people don't know is that the it's Pikachu... the little yellow you, guy with the lightning. The little, exactly, yeah. the little yellow guy. But what a lot of people don't know is there's actually an orange version of Pikachu that is coded into the games. Mm. And this orange version is something that is highly sought after by people who play these games. Anyone who plays loves to go and they love to shiny hunt. So the way that I explain this is let's say that you had a bag of... 511 yellow marbles and then in that bag there is one orange marble what shiny hunting is is reaching your hand into the bag pulling a marble out seeing what color is putting it back in the bag and repeating that process over and over until you get the orange one which is your very special orange pikachu And so this has been around since uh, the second generation of pokemon games which came out in 99 and since those came out, pretty much everybody who plays these games enjoys it and is obsessed with it and wants to do it. So there are dozens of YouTube channels that are specifically dedicated to these people who sit for hours at a time doing these repetitive mundane tasks in the hopes that one second you're going to see the one that's the different color, at which point everyone freaks out and has a great time. And so that's what I do. That is what my channel is dedicated to. This isn't unique to Pokemon necessarily. Dave and I grew up back in the 80s with uh, Super Mario Brothers, which was rife with Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. And all games really have Easter eggs where if you go right or versus left at any particular time, then you get a little special something. That's kind of what a shiny is, right? Yeah, in a way. So an Easter egg is something that's typically like known and you can replicate it, you can go do it, you can do it multiple times. This is based on what they call RNG odds. So it's random number generation, which means that every Pokemon has a chance to be a shiny, but it has a one in an X amount of odds chance of being that. So some of them are one in 512, other ones are one in 4,096. So to an extent, yes, but in another way, it's just something that's coded into the game that you're either really lucky or really unlucky. And um, that's that's what a lot of people like to do is just watch and find out, okay, is this person going to be lucky on this particular three-hour stream that they're doing? So you have a day job. I do. Right. You have a full-time job. I do. Right. Uh, and you're good at it. You and I have known each other professionally for probably going on five years. Mm-hmm. And this has absolutely nothing to do with your day job. No, not at all. Completely okay. separate. Yeah. So it's a video game you like playing. Mm-hmm. How did you first come to the realization that people would want to watch you play video games? I think there's a certain generational issue where... People are saying, uh, excuse me, you want to watch somebody playing video games. So that is actually probably the hardest hurdle that I had to get over. So uh, yesterday was actually my one-year streaming anniversary. So I did my first go-live yesterday, um, a year ago. And what I remember thinking is just, I'm, I'm looking for some sort of creative outlet. I'm just missing something, kind of felt stuck in a way, work 
is great. I love my job. I love what I do, but it gets to be repetitive. It's kind of the same thing over and over. So I just needed to find a way that I could access that that right part of my brain as opposed to the left part where I spend most of my day and just say, okay, what can I do that's that's creative? So started going on YouTube and there's this fantastic creator. His name's Chem Nation. So there's a guy named Chris, lives out in uh, Winnipeg-ish area, Manitoba, and he is huge. He's got almost 100,000 subscribers, has built his entire following doing this shiny hunting thing. And I started watching it. And so I was one of those people who looked at it from the perspective of, why would you do this? You can just play a game. Like you can go buy this game and you can play it yourself. Why are you watching this person do it? But then I very, very quickly learned that the game is just kind of like the tortilla chip and the community is like the guacamole. Everybody just wants to eat the guacamole, (laughs) but the chip is what you need to actually get people, you know, to start doing it. So what I started to do is make friends in these chats that are happening during the live stream. I started interacting with Chem Nation and talking with him and having these, you know, back and forth jokes. He and I are good friends now. It just built like this, this huge sense of community and camaraderie. And then I kind of had this light bulb moment, which was people don't watch this for the game. And if you happen to get this shiny Pokemon that people are sitting there and waiting for, that's amazing. Like that's obviously what you are putting this content out there for, but Mm -hmm. people show up the same hundred plus people show up to this every single day and just hang out for three hours. That's it. That's what it is every day when I'm working, I have it on in the background. Uh The way that my eight-year-old who's getting into watching these gaming videos and these streaming videos explained it to me was a lot more simple than that. What he told me was, because I asked him that very get-off-my-lawn question of why are you watching somebody else play video games? And his answer was, well, you like watching football, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Somebody exactly. else playing, playing a game. That's exactly it. And yeah. then the light bulb went out for me and went, oh, Wow, and now I'm old. But okay. Yeah, I think I think that there's a a good parallel that can be drawn there because why while yes, you could go out there and play football, there's different levels of athleticism and professionalism and mm-hmm. you know the the training and stuff that goes into it. Now video games, especially what I do, anybody any day of the week could do this. So mm-hmm. in a way that's kind of a disadvantage because there are people that I know who are in their fifties that do shiny hunting. There are people that I know who are in their early teens that do this. So it's not like you're limited. I feel like there's an age cap. Eventually I don't think anybody's going to want to watch balding 40 year old me play Pokemon. I don't know, but I think that's probably out of the running, but um, you know, you look at it And what really sets this aside and you have to be really competitive with is doing things differently and building and establishing that community, making it a a place where people want to come and visit and hang out. It's not, it's not as, um, it's not as clear cut and has as deep of like a history as, as football. But then there are some video games where, I mean, you could go head to head with one of these guys and you would just be knocked out, floor Mm -hmm. wiped. And that's probably the stuff that, uh, Spicy Luigi's watching. I bet. Yeah. So do, uh, you know, we're kind of talking about this in the microcosm of Pokemon, but uh, almost all video games now have this community aspect to it. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly. So while I kind of focus in on one particular niche, as they say in Canada, niche, as they say in America, as I kind of focus in on my one very narrow um, element, there's lots of content creators that I'm friends with that do a wide variety of things, multiple different games kind of cast a wider net. So there's risk and reward to both of them, I think. But uh, yeah, my particular avenue that I go down is just this specific aspect of, of Pokemon. Spectacular. So Nick, you, there's there's streaming, and then there's like the channels that people mm-hmm. follow. So what are what are the popular places for a streaming? You know, I, I know you know tangentially sort of about Twitch, mm-hmm. but you know I know YouTube is also massive. Where do you publish your content, and is there a difference between live streamed content and the recorded content for you? Yeah, so I started on Twitch, um, mm-hmm. but was kind of looking at the path to monetization. And so mm-hmm. Twitch is really appealing to a lot of people because you can get monetized very quickly. So you get monetized on Twitch, you become a partner, and then what ends up happening is they bombard your content with ads and they take a much bigger percentage. Mm-hmm. So you have to work a little less hard to make it happen, but they are going to monopolize your channel. They're going to insert ads that are non-skippable during the middle of your lives. They're going to do a lot of things like that. So uh, that's where I first started out. And then I looked at YouTube. And obviously, these places are always going to take a cut, but it's a little bit harder to get monetized on YouTube. You need to have 4,000 total hours of your content being watched by people within a one-year period. And then in addition to that, you have to have 1,000 active, legitimate subscribers. So YouTube purges subscribers all the time. So if they find bots or things that were, you know, generated in click farms, that sort of thing, they will take those away. So YouTube's a lot harder. They take a smaller cut. The split on YouTube is 70-30. So you take away 70, they take 30, where I believe Twitch is uh, 45-55. So you take a substantially less portion. But then live streams, live streams have a little different impact. So I actually don't put advertisements on my live streams. I focus primarily on putting them on any VODs, which is video on demand, which is the live stream after it's finished. It's where people can go back and watch it. I will monetize those. And then I'll also monetize any just content that I put out. So um, a good example is when you finally find a shiny Pokemon that you have been waiting seven months, 106 (laughs) hours, and 6,409 resets of a video game to get, Mm -hmm. uh, the reactions are pretty unreal. People get very happy. You uh-huh. you have this very joyous moment, and there's a lot of people that get to share it. So um, I will upload those as a separate video, and those also get monetized because people tend to watch reaction videos all the time. So, um, yeah. I want to back up because I think this is the, the concepts that we're talking about are so foreign to so many people mm-hmm. that I'm hoping that they can listen to this and get a basic primer. So can you explain the concept of monetization? Yeah. Yeah. So when you get monetized, uh, what it means is that the platform that you are streaming on or that you're creating content on sees you as someone who is a valuable investment. That's really what it means. You've either put in the hours and the work to show that you're serious about it, or you made it big really quick and they say, let's get some, some partnership with this person. And so What that looks like is for me, I don't know exactly the process with Twitch, but for YouTube, as an example, I hit my milestones. I get an email that says, we'd like you to join the partner program. You go through an application process, which is quite easy. It just involves a channel review to make sure that you don't, uh, that you're not breaking any of their community guidelines, rules, anything like that. Once you get approved, they enable a couple different things on your account. 
The first thing you can do is insert advertisements and you can structure what those advertisements look like. As an example, my my viewer base is mostly children. It's mostly people who are probably 12 to 18 with the exceptional or the exception of a few adults, um, which are, you know, at this point, good friends of mine, that sort of thing. So I take away things like politics, um, anything that might have more adult themes from my ads. None of those things get in there, which, you know, can hurt my revenue mm-hmm. a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, I think about if I had a kid that was watching me, what do I want them seeing? Right. You can also have channel memberships, which is essentially where people pay to have a specific title and a few more perks to be a part of your your community, a part of your channel. So that's something where majority of people's revenue comes from. And, and then how they, much does that generally cost if I want to like if I want to monetize my son's channel, mm-hmm. how much do I charge for memberships? Uh, it really depends. Um, like most people that I see for what we do, the the average cost is about $2 per membership per month. Okay. And so okay. that's what I charge for my base level. And then you can have different tiers. So I have a $2 membership, a $5 membership, and then a $85 membership, which is just for fun. It literally mm-hmm. includes a dinner with me. So no one's <laughs> bought it yet, but you know, just have a little bit of fun with it. But what YouTube introduced probably about eight months ago now is gifted memberships. So another member of your community can gift X amount of memberships to be given out to other people. So the idea there is someone who really likes your channel gifts a membership to someone else, keeps them around. Maybe they want to continue being a membership. They start to purchase their own membership. Um, So that's, I think, right now for a lot of live streamers, that's where a majority of their content, um, content revenue is generated from is that. That's absolutely fascinating. I had no idea that you could even do memberships directly through YouTube. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a Patreon thing or or something like that. Yeah, so I think a lot of people probably would go through, a lot of the bigger people probably go through Patreon because the cut, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. is smaller than what YouTube takes. So $2, okay. yeah. I lose 30% of that every single time. Um, sure. I think Patreon probably has lower cut thresholds that they would do, but... Um, being a member directly through YouTube gives you some perks within the chat, like a custom mm-hmm. emoji. You get all these different things that you can use that separate you from the the, the peasants in the chat, right? You're the, the sure. kings and queens and you're looking at all the peasants. <laughs> That's kind of how it, it feels. But yeah, it's cool. It's a cool thing. So That's did bad. you do this with the, the expectation that you were going to make it a side hustle or did you just do it for fun and then it turned into one? Yeah, it started out as a hobby. My whole goal was just to prove to myself that I could get some random stranger to donate money to me. That was it. I literally, I said that to my fiance. I said, I'm going to try this streaming thing, but I'm going to quit as soon as somebody gives me $1 that I don't know personally. And uh, then I just got hooked on it. I got hooked on doing it. And it just <laughs> and that's became the other thing this... I want to make clear is you, you actually live with a woman. I do. She's not your mother. I do. I do. And I'm not even a basement. I am on a main floor here. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, what are uh, some of the other revenue streams that people can monetize into a gaming channel? And we merch. talked about memberships. Yeah. Talk about merch. Yeah. So, merch is, merch is one thing. Um, it's very tactical when you figure out when you should drop your merch store. There's, there's definitely people that take the time to make these really cool aesthetic custom designs that they toss up on a merch channel. Um, and basically you look at it and say, I would wear that regardless of if I support this mm-hmm. channel or not. So you 
would buy mm-hmm. that. Um, me personally, I don't have a merch merch shop just because I don't have enough people yet that I think it would be valuable. But uh, a lot of people tend to do it around like the 10k subscriber mark is when a lot of people will launch their merch channel. Sure. But there's not many um, mm-hmm. margins are pretty tight on merch that you order online. So a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of stray away from that. Um, Super Chats is a part of YouTube. That's where you can just donate straight money. Um, so Super Chats are something that people who are monetized get access to. You tend to get a lot of a lot of revenue from that is just people who send you some cash every now and again to say thanks for what you're doing or we, we like seeing it. Um, mm-hmm. Partnerships are another big thing. I know that in the gaming community, there's lots of partnerships like G Fuel is a great example. They're a energy drink company that's kind of built their whole brand around professional gamers, streamers, that sort of thing. So they get involved with a lot of people, send them products, you plug the products, you get you know coupon codes for people who buy it, that sort of thing. And another avenue that you can monetize your channel. And then I think memberships and just advertisements that get placed on your videos, uh, those are probably the two biggest sources of, of revenue that you'll have. Sure. Does that include like influencers and like influencer marketing? So could you be, is that part of partnerships or is that a separate kind of option? Yeah, so it, it, it ties pretty much directly into it. I think the, the the products are very selective on who they choose to rep their mm-hmm. brand. So usually mm-hmm. it's people that are either very family friendly or people who are very mm-hmm. not family friendly. There's no like right. in between. If you're kind of a channel that walks the line every now and again, if you're a channel that is more PG-13, you probably won't get a sponsorship. They're looking for specific fan bases and the specific fan base that purchases for the more adult-oriented content, the ones that swear, the ones that play the you know mature-rated games. Those are people who are going to have their own money to buy, whereas the younger ones are the people who are going to ask for these things for birthdays, for Christmas, for right. that sort of thing. So, right. um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's it. They're very selective, just the same way that uh, products are very selective with the influencers they choose to work with. What's what's fascinating about all this is the the idea of community that that uh, burgeons up around this, and this was actually part of an espionage thing in the United States a few months ago, where um, there was a massive leak of intelligence that was done through uh, what's considered generally considered a gaming channel, and through through the community, and that's how that's how it was found founded. So. Um, Nick, this is is fantastic. How much time do you really spend doing this on a daily basis? Because you've got a day job, mm-hmm. you've got a fiance, you have a life. How do you fit all this in? Yeah, so I go I go live every single Monday through Friday for an hour before work. So that's how I start my day is seven a.m. to eight a.m. Eastern time. I go live um, on Wednesdays. I take a three hour break during my day, so I work an hour early and I work an hour late, and then I just tack two hours onto my lunch break and take a midday break to do a stream during kind of what's the the prime time for content uh, on Wednesdays. Every now and again, I'll try and get one in on the weekend if I can. Um, obviously, weekends are busy, so taking a couple hours is, is always a challenge sometimes. And then uh, I try and supplement with videos whenever I get a chance. So if something good happens in the stream, mm-hmm. there's anything like that, uh, just kind of edit it on my lunch breaks, pick away at it, and then have them scheduled to release at certain days, that sort of thing. Uh, 
amazing. And if you're spending that much time interacting, is a lot of that, or, or streaming, is a lot of that dedicated to maybe chatting or interacting with your community? Yeah. And how do you, how do you keep up with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So that's that was one of the biggest challenges is playing a game at the same time that you're reading chat and interacting with people to make them feel heard, to make them feel seen, Mm -hmm. to make them want to keep coming back. So engagement's really difficult. What's nice is when you're first starting out as a streamer, you don't have much to do. There's usually, you know, a handful of people, if you're lucky, that are there. Now I have Mm -hmm. consistently anywhere between 25 and 30 people that are always in chat and always chatting. So it's a little bit... Think about being in a Slack channel where you have 30 people constantly sending you messages and you have to reply to each one yeah. verbally. That's that's really what it's like. Yeah, well. um, mm-hmm. But you just strike a balance. Um, you establish a team of moderators, which are people who kind of watch over the chat and just make sure people are mm-hmm. obeying the rules, following things. If they're asking questions that can easily be handled, they'll take care of it. So once you get that team established, it kind of makes your life a lot easier. But um it's why I do it. The The shiny hunting aspect of the game is extremely boring. It's very repetitive. There's not much that you have to focus on. So when people ask me, how can you reset a game for 104 total hours? It's because I'm sitting there talking with people to kick off my day every single day, right? Same people sure. every day. So, um, yeah. And uh, tell me more about the moderation and stuff. Is that part of the tool built in? Or do you have you just like added people to that? Or... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Work? So it's 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 honestly kind of an honor if you are a viewer in a channel and that moderator mm-hmm. or that uh, streamer asks you to moderate for them. Um, what it typically means mm-hmm. is that you've demonstrated that you're at the very least capable of making smart decisions and saying the right things, and that you have mm-hmm. a, a good grasp on how the streamer likes things to go. So basically when I first started, it was my buddy Sam, Dan, and Alex. They were my they were my moderators because there was no one to moderate. And then as I started to grow a little bit, they kind of realized we're not going to be in your stream at all. So then I started to establish some relationships with people that are either already streamers themselves, people that have been around and hang out quite a bit. So yeah, you just give them they they call it giving them a wrench because the moderator gets a little wrench icon next to them. And then yeah, they just they monitor and make sure everything's you know, following the established rules of the channel, which is very helpful, extremely helpful. Wow. But you're, you're giving me so much or so many more cred, cred points with this. <laughs> this, is, this is spectacular. I'd, like everything's clicking now, Nick. My, my son is a, is a huge streamer and he doesn't curate content. He's kind of like what, what uh, Trigvi's son was doing. He had his own YouTube channel probably in 2014. Okay. For, for a while when he was eight. And, uh, it, this is, this is so, this is so, it, it all makes sense. Good. And so now the he things that he's talking about. Again, Spicy Luigi. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, which, which leads me to, we need to plug your channels yeah. because I'm sure our podcast audience is going to be huge consumers of, of streaming channels. So, uh, where, where do we, I'm not, I'm not trying to wrap this up, but I want to make sure that we don't forget. Where do we find you? Yeah. So kind of a fun story behind this. I'll give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. So you know how every band that you've ever listened to in history at some point in time, one of the members of the band says, yeah, we wish that if there's one thing we could change, it's the name of our band. You ever hear that? You know, I think uh, Mumford and Sons is a band that said that. The Who are a band that said that. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, when I established my channel someday, I want to be able to say, I wish I would have picked a different name. So that's what I did. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, just the word shinies, but replace the eyes with ones. That's what you got to do. Oh, right and I'll, I'll give yeah. you a little 
insight as to why. So we're, we're shiny hunting. I had this, this idea in my head of what if we could go with this theme of catching the shine flu. And then I realized the swine flu was H1N1. So I toss a nice H1N1 into my name, not realizing we're in the midst of a pandemic. This is not a great idea, but you know what? I just, I just, I just, I doubled down and that's what the channel is. So you can find YouTube. It is youtube.com slash C slash S-H-1-N-1-E-S. That's it. I adore that. That is fantastic. And now that you mention it, for for listeners, uh, right right behind Nick's head, he's got his his logo for, for shiny, and it all makes sense I can't now. You can see the H one N one. I know it's just there forever, <laughs> permanently there. So it's A S H one N one N E S. Wow. Yeah, that's it. That's it. What are what are some other things? I, I think the question that I think everybody's probably asking at this point is, what do you get out of it? And I'm going to ask that open-endedly because if you don't want to say how much money you're making, then I, I, I don't want to make you. But what are you getting out of this? Yeah, um, I'm more than happy to. So um, since being monetized, I average about 500 a month, which, Sweet. you know, for playing, I, I was going to play video games anyway. I was going to do this. Right. I was going to shiny hunt. Right. I was going, this is a thing that mm-hmm. I enjoy doing. I now get paid to do it. So mm-hmm. am I still in the negatives considering the time that it took to get monetized? Yes. but. Uh, you know, kind of grand scheme of things, it's it's been a, a huge, huge journey. So, five hundred a month is amazing. Like I have plans to mm-hmm. use that money to continue to buy things that build the channel. So I don't have to dip mm-hmm. into my pocket to buy a brand new computer. I can just do that based on what I've earned, which is really kind of cool. Yeah. But I think what I get more out of it than anything, and I know this is kind of cheesy, but I made a lot of really good friends. Like genuinely, I spend time with the same, I spend time with these people more than I spend time with people in the real world. Like physically, I spend less time with people outside of this. So um, just really have established a good community of friends um, and just learned a lot. Like I've learned a lot about video editing and creation and thumbnail creation and design and what's attractive versus what's not. I mean, there's just so much that I had to kind of bootstrap and figure out, which has been that's been very cool. It's a skill set I didn't know that I had. So unlocking that's mm-hmm. pretty fun too. Well, that that's a that's a very self serving one for us. Um, do you have any killer tips or surprising tips for getting your YouTube videos more views? So for your POV or your on demand videos, mm-hmm. yeah. What what's a good thumbnail or or what's a great way to uh, let's back that up more- and even ask what is a thumbnail. Uh, oh yeah, yeah we'll start you. there yeah Remember. so the thumbnail is when you're scrolling through youtube and you see the first little preview of a video the thumbnail mm-hmm. is just that image that kind of grabs people's attention so when i first started out my idea was to make the most ridiculous thumbnails i possibly could just to just go down the, mm-hmm. the rabbit hole of absurdity as far as i could turns out that didn't work that was not something people mm-hmm. liked they were confused by it my sense of humor is a little bit different than most so quickly doubled <laughs> back been friends for so long that's exactly it it's exactly it so i quickly doubled back on that and then just did a lot of kind of thumbnail observations so mr beast is a great example mr beast actually changes his thumbnails all the time if you watch a video today and you watch that same video a month from now, I bet you the thumbnail is different because he's constantly having his team update to be what's currently trending with those 
attention-grabbing thumbnails. Now, most people can't do that because it's one person. And if you release 100 videos, you're not going to go make 100 thumbnails again. But um, what I found is that this whole concept, so I know anybody who's just listening to this isn't going to understand, but imagine me sitting here making a face like surprised. You cut that part of your body out and then you outline it in white, slap it on a background of something that you're either doing like in the game and then big blocky letters with a gradient that says um, amazing or crazy or I can't believe this, things like that. And then clickbaity titles is where it's at. doesn't have to lie. Clickbait and lie are two different things, but the clickbait could be something like um, streamer, you know, didn't expect this amazing shiny reaction, right? It's mm-hmm. enough to make you mm-hmm. say, okay, maybe the streamer didn't expect that and it was an amazing reaction. So you go in. Um, that's one thing that I've kind of learned in titling and in thumbnail is that you have to let the people who are watching it make their own decision, but you want to try and guide them to some assumption. You want them to go mm-hmm. into it thinking this is going to be amazing and exciting. Because then if it isn't, they will let you know. And they have. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you get to hear both ends of it. And I suppose you get that feedback like immediately, mm-hmm. like you post something and you're going to get something on your very next stream where one of your uh, members is just going to tell you and, or a wrench is going to come in and say, dude, that what, what was that? Yeah. yeah. And you <laughs> learn a beautiful lesson when you start streaming, which is that 12 year olds don't hold back. Oh mm-hmm. my. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. They don't hold back. What, so what graphics program do you use to, to, to do that? I use Canva for everything. Nice. Yeah, I Excellent. use Canva for everything. So you don't, you don't even need advanced Photoshop for this kind of stuff? Nope. No. Every now and again, I'll go over to Photo P, which is like a online version of Photoshop. But okay. practically everything I do is through Canva, video editing and graphic design. Excellent. How much video wow. editing do you do? Um, usually I'll put out one a week or so. Not too many. Um but I'll usually edit together either like compilations or like last night during my stream, I got two shiny Pokemon. So that will come out as a part of a video, um, probably on Sunday, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also cross post everything over to TikTok. So cross post, meaning you create it in one place, bring it over to a different source right, so right. that you don't have to double down. And yeah. Right. Is there a trick to that? Because we've played with TikTok mm-hmm. at BusyWeb and we do a lot of YouTube, but yeah, is there like places that you can go to cut that in or is it just good old fashioned digital elbow grease to Yeah, so what I like about um what I like about Canva is that if I make a video that's in like a widescreen format or a, a landscape format, you can easily resize it to portrait and it basically does all the work for you to format it to TikTok. So I do my mm-hmm. editing there, I make this video mm-hmm. and then I instantly shift it over and create a different version of it. You have to do some tweaks, but um, as far as like mm-hmm. upload to one and it goes to many, I'm sure there is, but it's probably a paid service that I don't use. Um, but yeah, right. it's one of those things yeah. to just kind of evaluate the cost. Mm-hmm. How hard is it for me to go into TikTok and just hit upload? Um, but CapCut right. is a great right. program if you're looking for a really good um, TikTok oh, yeah. editing. Mm-hmm. And the kind of things you're talking about, you're talking about tens of dollars a month. You're not talking about massive. Yeah, for a long time, I did Canva completely free. So they offer a totally free version. But um, I went to the premium for mm-hmm. some of their new features are pretty nice, like background removal, AI image generation. So there's just some really nice things. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it cost me uh, $16.99 Canadian a month. So about $11.99 US. Yeah. Wow. So. Are, are are you gonna, ever going to get tired of shiny hunting? 
Uh, it, it honestly comes in waves. So like the, a good example is the stream that I do every morning. What it actually is, is I boot a game up. I go up to something. Mm-hmm. I press the A button. It does a little cutscene. It loads. It shows me the Pokemon. If it's not the right color, I close the game down. I start the game up and I repeat that cycle every morning for an hour. So that burns you out pretty quick. And it mm-hmm. took seven months of doing that. Seven months, Monday to Friday, for an hour for me to finally get it. So um, will I ever get bored of doing this on a grand scheme of things? No. Do I get bored of it in the moments? Absolutely. 100%. No questions asked. I think anybody who doesn't is crazy. But yeah. 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 Wow. Because <laughs> I, I think the next logical question in this evolution is, you know, you're going to continue to get better mm-hmm. and bigger and better, and you're going to get more followers, which will translate into more money. But you do have to continue to feed the mm-hmm. beast that you've created and continue to do the thing over and over. So if you decide, uh, no, I don't want to do this, I'm going to play a Star Wars game instead, that almost effectively changes just like in business you're going to have to go to a completely new marketplace completely rebuild the community because 12 year olds Mm -hmm. who are way interested in in pokemon are not necessarily interested in anything else yeah and i think um you know i've I've thought about that a lot because there are certainly other games that i would like to try streaming and would be more than happy to but i also um it's kind of like if you are a professional chef and you spend all day cooking, the last mm-hmm. thing that you probably want to do when you get home is cook yourself dinner. Um, I still want mm-hmm. to play other video games. I still want to preserve the joy that I get out of doing that as still something for me, mm-hmm. right? So video games for me are a relaxation right. thing. The streaming thing is a hobby, but it still is a degree of work. And so I don't do much shiny mm-hmm. hunting, not on stream. That's where I do kind of all that. But part of the reason why I think sure. I don't want to introduce anything else and won't get tired of it is because if I want to play another game, I do something entirely different off stream where I don't have to be on and on camera and talking. I can just detox and kind of play it. So, um, yeah, I mean, there may can't, there might come a day where I want to change things up, but uh, for right now, things are rocking and rolling and still enjoying it. Time flies by. I, I want to ask... Uh... I'm going to affectionately call this the affectionately call this the the Ralph Rex the Internet question. Mm-hmm. You've seen Ralph Rex the Internet? No, right? I've only seen Wreck It Ralph. Never saw a second one. I know, I know, Ooh. I know. the The second one is great, and the second one, the whole concept of it is that Ralph needs to monetize a whole bunch of things in order to get a physical steering wheel for his little buddy's game that broke it back in the arcade. So. One of the ways that he does that is he goes into a game called Slaughter Race, which I think is their version of Grand Theft Auto. And there is a marketplace in which assets for the game can be sold and traded. Okay. Have you ever experienced anything like that where people, you have all these shinies now because you've done all this hunting and they're, they're such a rarity? Do people offer to buy them from you? Um, no, that doesn't typically happen because there's also a huge market for, um, hacking those things into the game because there's people like me who like to do it for the, um, the journey and then that final eventual payoff. And there's other people who just want them because they look different and it's very easy to just manipulate your game and add them in, um, through third party hacking things. But a good way that I would parallel that 
is the Pokemon trading card game has a huge resurgence right now, just absolutely okay. massive. And um, there are essentially shiny Pokemon cards that you get that have immense value. I mean, just, Mm. you know, you'll go buy Mm -hmm. a... People will buy hundreds of dollars worth of cards and they're hoping for just Mm -hmm. one that's worth thousands of dollars. So that is a big... And that's kind of, you know, a a big resurgence in when it kind of died out in the 90s or early 2000s kind of flatlined. But now it's back with a a vengeance for sure. Well, and, and was is there a specific game that you're playing? And like, is this like the what, what's the gold standard Pokemon game that you're that you're watching? And yeah, you're so a new thing? one just came out in I say just came out came out in November. So the newest one came out in November, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's been sort of the the game that you see a lot of people playing. Uh, pretty much anything that exists on the Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch, people will bounce between. Uh, okay. But mm-hmm. what's nice about so Game Freak, the Pokemon Company, and Nintendo are the three kind of companies that are responsible for outputting Pokemon games. There's usually one every every year. There's some iteration of a Pokemon game that comes out, and then there's also um, what they call DLCs or downloadable content, which is additions to the game after mm-hmm. release. Um, they're also pretty good mm-hmm. about releasing those. So there's always... It seems to be there's always fresh content coming out right at about the time that the previous thing starts to dip. So it's pretty, it's a pretty uh, healthy game company cool. to support, I guess, when it comes to that. Yeah, for sure. You, and are you playing on Switch and yeah, recording I, via? Yeah. Switch? What? Tell, describe your rig. Yeah. So uh, I use what's called a capture card. So essentially, a capture card is mm-hmm. a 4K or high definition pass through device. Um, so I'm not going to unplug it because I got it all taped down. But basically, it's, a, it's, this, it's this little box. <laughs> you take your Nintendo Switch and you plug it into the HDMI in, so the input of this box. And then this box has an output, which is USB, that plugs into your computer. So what it does is it mimics the sound and the signal from your Switch and puts it into a computer. When it's in your computer, you have um, what they call a stream service. So I have OBS, which I don't know what it actually stands for, but there's yep. OBS and there's another popular one called Streamlabs. And this is where you you build what your stream looks like. So your webcam is a source, your capture card in your Nintendo Switch is a source, your um, anything, any text you might have, that's a source. And then that program is what broadcasts to the to the internet. So I think OBS is open broadcasting software is the name of it. It yeah, yes, it just pushes yep, that right. way. So yeah. it's just it's so you're just playing on a you're playing on a switch and you bought the converter box. Yep. Which is, you know, kind of like, you know, for for people who are Dave and I this age, you know, where mm-hmm. you had to turn the channel the TV to channel three. Yeah. That's that's right. basically what it does is it's just a, a signal repeater that converts your video signal over to a HDMI. Uh, or to a USB that plugs into a computer. That's all it is. But there are, you can get it built directly into your computer now. That's how huge streaming is. It's crazy. Wow. And do you do you stream your Switch to TV or are you playing all uh, So I, I actually stream it and I play it off of my computer monitor. So it's all it's all set up like a okay. console, but yeah, yeah, it's it's directly to a computer monitor yeah. that I play through. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. And my son texted me while we were chatting, Nick. And so I asked him what I should ask. And he said, what's your favorite Ooh, shiny? Uh, that's that's 100% shiny. Uh, 
Shiny Rayquaza. You can say that to him. It's a little bit tough. Yeah, he'll know. Okay. He'll know. If he knows Pokemon, he'll know. That's the best one. Top tier. Mm-hmm. Top tier. Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm letting him know. That's amazing. Nick, how, from an hour count, I think everybody's looking for a side hustle these days. And so I think we, we appreciate all the time you've had put in uh, describing yours. Mm-hmm. I think two sort of final questions is number one is, I want to underscore that you did this because you like this and you're going to do it anyway. So if this is something that people want to do, they have to feel good about it. They have to feel passionate mm-hmm. about it. It's not really a question as much of an opportunity to comment. Yeah. I mean, if, if you are someone who doesn't put in the same energy that you're hoping to get out. I know people who started the same day that I did that have 102 subscribers and they don't have anybody that views, but they still do it because they just love doing it. But there's, mm-hmm. there's, there is a degree of the it factor, but it's something that can be created just by being personal and just having fun. And some of the most successful content creators that I know, they don't even have a camera. They're just a voice. They're just a voice playing a game. So you don't, I, there's half of my friends. I don't know what they look like. Probably never will. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a passion thing. It's the same passion that you would bring into any business. I understand that this is not something I'm probably going to retire on unless I hit it big. Um, but for right now, this is just equal parts, creative outlet, equal parts, uh, enjoyment of a hobby, equal parts, giving my fiance some time to watch love Island and love is blind. Um, <laughs> but yep. you don't have that's to exactly know. it. That's exactly it. But no, it's just a, so we're all it's a, it's a very, it's a very passion driven thing that has unlocked a lot of opportunities and things in my life that I did not expect it to. So, yeah, this is, this is absolutely fantastic, Nick, and, and fascinating. And you, like I said before, you give me huge credit. Yeah, of points, course. So thank you. And what I love about talking to people in spaces that I really should know more about, but I'm completely clueless in is that you're stretching my brain for sure into new ways to think about what we do, which is, you know, digital marketing and all that. And you're, you're very much grassroots and, and working in a completely different field in a completely different space that I'm sure is going to keep getting bigger and bigger. So this has been absolutely tremendous for Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, tell us again your YouTube yes, channel. You can find me youtube.com slash C slash SH1N1ES. Or I think if you just search uh, streamer has epic Arceus reaction, you will find me as well. A-R-C-E-U-S. You will find me freaking out to Celine Dion. A wonderful thing. 